Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. They should just put a bullet in this game's head right now. <laughs> put it out of its misery before we even get there. Pete Thamel. Multi-hundred million dollar programs are like one DM slide in away from like disaster. You know what I mean? <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. Harbaugh's quarterbacks in his five years have been less efficient than Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez's quarterback. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I right, welcome to the pod. Big Ten. Big Ten is back, baby. Took a little while to jump in the pool, but here they are. No turning back now, although actually there probably is. <laughs> The Big Ten starts its season this weekend, and it is going to be, this is going to be interesting. I don't mean to, we're excited the Big Ten is back, so I'm not trying to uh, cast any any doubt on it. But this is, a, this is a schedule that is set up with zero bye weeks. What could go wrong? Let's go. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They got nine weeks, nine games scheduled, counting the uh, the shootout at the end where we'll have yep. the West number one, ver- the championship game, and then right down the line. I am not Dr. Fauci, in case you weren't sure, but it does seem to be the more people are inside, the more the virus has a chance to spread. It snowed in Minnesota this week. The Michigan student body has been ordered to stay in place by the county health officials in Washtenaw County, Michigan. That does not mean the football team, of course. Football team will travel to Minnesota to play. We've seen outbreaks elsewhere. I don't know how the heck they're going to do this. <laughs> but I'm glad we're trying. We're going to try. So I'm good with that. But this could be complete and utter mayhem. Obviously, that, there's nowhere to schedule the games. So if one game's canceled, I guess it's just canceled. But you take a situation like Florida, which already has two games moved, those would both be gone. So all of a sudden, your nine-game schedule could quickly become a seven-game schedule. Um, but here we go. Buckle up. Uh, let's just start with that. Uh, the winding road and the daring leap that the Big Ten is going to take. Pat, your thoughts on getting the Big Ten back? Yeah, that's look. That's the tightrope that uh, the Big Ten signed up to walk here. Uh, it's going to be... Fascinating to see how well it it gets done. And look, it, this helps fill out the season. It's a national sport. The upper Midwest is now in play. They're going to play some of the best teams, some of the biggest fan bases, some of the biggest brands in the sport. So it's good to have them back and involved. 
Uh, but the question is, when you have no room for error, what is the impact on the league race and ultimately the national championship race? Uh, you've got seven games per week, right? There's 14 teams going to play each other. Seven games a week for eight weeks. That's 56 games. It's a 56-game Big Ten schedule. By my calculations, we're at about a 10.6% postponement cancellation rate. So you're going to lose about six games out of the 56. Who are they? When do they happen? How much does it matter? Uh, if it's like a Florida situation where you're going to miss two games, and that could happen, where if you have an outbreak, a lot of schools we've seen have two games impacted by this. What if that's Ohio State and you're sitting there, you're 4-0, and and you all of a sudden can't play two weeks in a row? How does that factor into being a playoff contender? How does it factor into deciding who wins the league? Definite complications for the for the league to have to deal with as this goes through. I mean, maybe maybe their testing will be to the point that things will go fine. Uh, but as you pointed out, look, virus numbers, case counts are on the way up. Uh, Wisconsin, I think everybody in the state has the virus at this point. I mean, if you look at the map, it is all bright red. So good luck. Big Ten. So I think the most interesting thing about the Big Ten schedule is the 21 days that if someone tests positive for COVID, they have to sit out. So in theory, that's, you know, you test positive on Monday, you're not playing three games, which is half the schedule. So the the stakes for these college athletes is extremely high. These multi-hundred million dollar programs are like one DM slide in a way from like disaster. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every social decision that these kids make, literally like the, the half of the football schedule could and they could end up toppling it. Abundance of caution has become such a cliche that it's become like a parody, right? In through through all this. And certainly the phrase has. The notion we should not dismiss, the phrase certainly has, right? So the Big Ten puts in 21 days out of an abundance of caution. At the end of the day, I think that's too much caution, right? What the Big Ten did by waiting, what the SEC did by waiting, was they have a half a season of NFL empirical evidence. Now they have a half a season of college football empirical evidence. Is there any empirical evidence that says those extra seven days between 14 and 21 are going to lead to better health? Like, is there is there a rationale behind it? Or was it what sort of guided the Big Ten in a lot of these decisions, a little bit of like, we're safer than you chest beating? And I think that's where the, the, the 21 days comes in. Totally agree. I mean, it could be 10. We've also have empirical evidence of virtually no hospitalizations from college students at all. Just the general student body. I mean, it just seems a recipe for disaster of 21 days. Look, Ohio State is your most likely contender here. They really only have two games to be impressive. Penn State at Penn State on Halloween and Michigan at the end. They're playing Nebraska, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan State. Michigan State is rebuilt. None of these teams are, are going, you know, uh, Rutgers, I have Rutgers in there. I mean, this is, if you, mi if you missed your one chance to, if you lose to Penn State, there's nowhere to, because of a, a I mean, obviously that's, I mean, it's in a week, so I guess. But if you're out that long, and you cost, uh, you cost you that, you know, one big game. I guess maybe that's why they put it early. I don't know, but there's just not enough opportunities in this league. And Penn State basically is Ohio State and Michigan. There's not enough good teams, and the right. way this thing's set up. So the idea is, I mean, you could be in all sorts of trouble with that lengthy thing. I, I think that that should be cut dramatically. 
especially if people are asymptomatic. But 21 days is rough. I wonder if that'll get reviewed and, and maybe downsized. I mean, we'll see. Just uh, it, the way things have gone with the Big Ten is if once Ohio State decides it's a problem, then things get changed. So we'll see if that uh, <laughs> that works with that rule as well. Uh, we're, we are down one coach for the opening week. That's uh, Jeff Brom from Purdue. And I believe he's got a 10-day window. And I don't know when his window started technically, but he could miss two games uh, depending when he tested positive there. So that is one Side, one person sideline so far, and a pretty significant one at that. Yeah, well, he's not only the obviously the head coach, but he's also the play caller. I, I thought right. it was significant right. when looking at that game. And they have a new quarterback. Uh, whoever plays will have started at some point. It is not a like returning guy who started all last season. And I was surprised to hear this, uh, and Pat would know as the fourth Brom brother, that uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian Brom has never called a play. No, no. So I mean, like, that's all. So all of a sudden you're like, there's a lot of things when you got you're rolling out like a kind of a new full time starter. You're rolling out a new play call. You're playing Iowa, who like you know we can do the Iowa Mad Libs of like toughness and defense and former walk on wrestler from Waterloo. Fundamentally but, like, sound. Yes. yes, yes, but you know that that's a difficult. It's a difficult opener. You know, if if I'm Brian Brown, I'm just like Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore. <laughs> <laughs> And they, they do right. have a couple of good skill guys. Yeah, I think you can call that play. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Bubble the Rondale. Bubble the Rondale. He's triple anyway, this, running away from him. Yeah. Even more than it's already wreaked havoc in other places. And, I mean, we literally went into, like, the game of the year la- last week, not knowing whether Nick Saban could coach. Yeah. Um, I just The Big Ten is, you know, again, buckle up. Who knows? Huh? All right, let's do a quick preview of them. Uh, we did one in the summer. That seems a long time ago. It does. Let's I don't even do remember one. doing that. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did it. If you want a lengthier one, go back to like July. Yeah. We did it so we could take July 4th week off. Oh, that's right. I remember <laughs> that now. Yeah. How quaint. How quaint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's <laughs> a little longer. Times. State of the programs. A little bit better. Let's try to do one line, uh, at least about some of this uh, bottom feeders. Because uh, I don't think anyone wants a, a, another in-depth breakdown of Rutgers. <laughs> but let's try to do one line heading into the season on what you, I don't know, whatever you want about these programs. Rutgers, let's start with that. They are not even listed on a, the odds to win the league. They are such a long shot. They are off the board, <laughs> uh, saving some random uh, New Jerseyite from blowing their cash on this, uh, <laughs> thinking a million to one odds was a good idea. Shiano's back. Let me, Lay the wood. <laughs> let me just put it this way. In Sully's preview here that he sent, key names is the kicker and the punter. <laughs> <laughs> Got, there they go. I mean, okay, if you're a high school punter and you're trying to <laughs> work out for the NFL, hey. you want to go to a bad team. Sure. The More collecting kicks. guy is like collecting dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to go to a bad team that plays indoors. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. If I Syracuse. was, if yeah. I was, if we I should was all be punter, Syracuse. I would, to, I would go to Syracuse. Yeah. No, yeah. Syracuse so, should get the nation's best punter. Yes. Okay. Um, Rutgers. Are we done with the Rutgers preview now? I, I want to give one Rutgers fun fact. When that staff took over, they had more scholarship wide receivers than offensive linemen. Good oh luck my. at Michigan State. That's a bad stat. Very bad stat. I want to tell you what their scoring totals were last year in Big Ten games. <laughs> zero, zero, seven, <laughs> zero, 
7, 10, 21 against Ohio State, 0, and 6. That is a catastrophically bad offensive team. No matter what Greg Schiano does, no matter who he puts back there at quarterback, they'll be better at least offensively than last year. Sean Gleason is the new OC. He came from Oklahoma State. Uh, Noah Vedrill from Nebraska is uh, is the quarterback. Uh, Gleason was kind of is one of these young geniuses. He was Princeton and he was there. It will be really interesting to see the depths of his creativity with let's just call it limited personnel. I think Greg Schiano was going to be quite happy this season never happened. Uh, another <laughs> year to recruit. This is just my my thoughts. I have no idea. Uh, if they can win a game, uh, good for them. If they win two, it is a real sign of progress. I, I do think if there's a chance to win a game at Michigan State this weekend is one of them. They're not going to be a whole lot better. So yeah. uh, that's where I'd go with that. Good luck, Rutgers. Illinois getting plus 8,000 to win the league. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, Sleeper, baby. I mean, I'm not saying to win the league, but I think I, I think they're a dangerous team. I think they will be a dangerous team for Wisconsin Friday night. They have a lot of people back. Now, they they had some – they were all over the board last year. They start off 2-0. They lose like four in a row, and they're looking terrible. Then, boom, they upset Wisconsin and win four in a row and get bowl eligible for the first time in who knows how long. And then they revert back and lose their last three games, including their bowl game. So – but full offensive line back. They've got some skill guys. They've got a quarterback back. Uh, I think they are going to be at least as good as they were last year when they were 500 and sneak in a win or two that surprise you, including I, I think they could beat Wisconsin possibly in the opener. Oh, boy. W- would you like to wager on that, Pat, in our like <laughs> ongoing like bar bet wagers that you always lose and I know you never pay up because we won't be able to go to a bar for another nine months? <laughs> um, uh, TBD. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. You want to you lock in a little bit more? After a long winter's nap at Illinois, one thing Lovey Smith has done well is work the portal. You know, sell guys, come here. I was an NFL coach. Come there. Name to watch is uh, wide receiver USC transfer. Josh Imitribibi. And I did not pronounce that right. But uh, <laughs> you remember him as five-star kind of kid, uh, big-time recruit, didn't work out in uh, L.A. And that's where, that's where he is. So that is, that is one name for, for, for Pat's impossible dream of the, uh, of the Wisconsin upset. I, just, I think there's parts of this league that are just going to be very hard to predict. I think there's a lot of just very, very average or below-average teams. And so uh, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule. I, they could win one game. They could win four. I don't know. Good, good analysis there by me. Maryland <laughs> plus 8,000. Another dark horse to say the least. Well, they have uh, Tua's little brother, Talia, as the, uh, in their quarterback mix. I would say Maryland is a year away from being a year away. Mike Loxley can recruit. They got completely blown out of the water in league play last year after they had, remember they had that like freakish blowout of Syracuse early? Yeah, and then yeah. and then they just completely fell off the cliff. It was like a study in extremism. I am skeptical they they are going to scale the cliff. Uh no, you should be skeptical. They they were very bad other than that bizarre beatdown of Syracuse which augured nothing for Maryland but augured everything for Syracuse about how bad they were going to be. Talia I would imagine is going to win the job there at quarterback. They've got a star freshman receiver coming in. I would like to tell you his name but I cannot remember. And so they, you know, they could at least have, be able to throw it around a little bit, move the ball, score some points. I still think they will be very bad defensively and be overmatched by the Big Ten East. Uh, 
really looking forward to the December 12th clash against Rutgers. That ought to be a... <laughs> Where is it? Quite, <laughs> it's at Maryland. Uh, uh, it, what did we say last? It was like at, a, at the Vince Lombardi rest stop in yeah, yeah. South Jersey. Yeah. Like, just play it. <laughs> no one will attend. Rakeem Jarrett. There you go. There's I mean, your, this game, this game could determine who gets in the toilet bowl, the seventh place spot against the sixth place spot in the next week's matchup, right? I mean, good God. Yeah. They should just put a bullet in this game's head right now. <laughs> put it out of its misery before we even get there. I wonder if you could have how you could gauge sideline energy for that game, like mid-second <laughs> oh, quarter. Who's going to have juice on the sideline in that game? <laughs> Yeah, we we need to look at like the the December twelfth slate. That's going to have like Vandy at oh. Missouri, Maryland oh. at Rutgers. It's the going to be the winter. It's going to be finals time. I mean, there's going to be a lot oh. of glum football These going. Poor on. kids trying to play, trying to study. Yeah, like come on, man! I got to play this garbage game. Who cares? <laughs> Our season's over. Their season's over. What a game! Yeah, Should we allow coaching, fans? By the way, like Why that's bother? coaching. Like you got to get <laughs> a team ready prepared for that game and fired up for that game and locked in for that game. That is, that's a lot that is coaching. Right. Yeah. In college football, you build to that last game against your arch rival. That's how they keep the players attention, right? Yeah. We're going to beat Ohio state. We're going to, we're going to beat Alabama. It doesn't matter if our season sucks. We're going to beat, we're going to win some little trophy in our in-state <laughs> thing. Uh, what do we got coach? Oh, you get Rutgers. I'll uh, get the Rutgers. Game. <laughs> um, at first, I'll just say this a uh, huge game this weekend at Northwestern for Maryland. If they're going to get anything going, they follow that up with Minnesota at Penn State, Ohio State. Like this thing could be really Oof. sideways, beaten up yeah. uh, by mid-November. Like Thanksgiving can't come quick yeah. enough for these guys. Yeah. So huge yeah. game at North Mike Western. Loxley's career doesn't indicate he does a good job once things spiral either. If you look uh, at his, very, at very his New Mexico tenure. Yeah. So this so. is a big one Friday or uh, Saturday. Uh, Northwestern is next plus 5,000. They had a bunch of opt outs. <laughs> These kids are like, yeah, I'm studying. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like at least three opt outs. Uh, transfer quarterback and new offensive coordinator, though. Pat Fitzgerald actually made some staff changes uh, for once. He never does that. And he got rid of Mick McCall, uh, uh, offensive coordinator who oversaw the worst passing offense in many years in FBS football. I mean, absolutely atrocious, putrid. Uh, they brought in Mike Bajakian as offensive coordinator. They brought in Peyton Ramsey, grad transfer quarterback from Indiana. I give Northwestern a chance to be much improved off of last year's weird three and nine year. One thing I'm intrigued by is left tackle Rashawn Slater, who's probably going to be a first round pick, opted out. Uh, he was one of the opt outs. And Northwestern is starting a, a true freshman at left tackle, Peter Skronsky, a name Pat Fitzgerald would certainly love. So what's interesting about Peter Skronsky is he is the face of Northwestern built this $239 million spaceship that they dropped on campus. The single nicest collegiate facility in the history of single nicest collegiate facilities. And Northwestern had a little like recruiting uptick. So for Peter Skronsky, they beat Michigan. They beat Stanford. They beat Notre Dame. They beat teams that Northwestern doesn't beat. So those types of recruits are starting to circle in the program. Northwestern has recruited better thanks to its shiny new toy. So I agree with Pat. The OC change is, is, is really important here, long overdue. Quarterback upgrade, super important. I wonder if we're starting to see some talent flush through that program. It is a hell of a facility. Oh. And I haven't even been inside it. 
very interesting start to the season. You have Maryland, which is winnable. You have at Iowa, which is at least winnable. You have Nebraska, and you have at Purdue. Four in a row to start the year. You can get something going. Not saying they're going to win them all, but they could. They certainly could get a nice jump going before Wisconsin visits late in the uh, late in the campaign. All right. Uh, Michigan State, new coach Mel Tucker. Not a whole lot else known after a the program really fell apart in the final days of Mark D'Antonio. Plus 4,000 if any parties want to throw a, throw in on this. No, thank you. I wouldn't touch that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just going to be a painful kind of transition year. They were in need of a coaching change for sure. New blood, new energy. Uh, they've got that. But what's the talent level like? Uh, what's the familiarity with whatever Mel Tucker wants to do probably not very much because they didn't have spring practice and they didn't have much of a preseason until September 16th. Things started to finally get moving. So I would go in with low expectations and uh, probably settle for even less. The uh, the Mel Tucker experience will be interesting. He, he shows up at Colorado and does decent. Not great. He does decent. He has LaVisca Chenault and he has Steven Montez, who was not a great college quarterback, but it started. 30-some-odd games uh, early in his career and had a cannon of an arm. So he inherits a game-breaking first-round pick-type talent at wide receiver and experienced quarterback. He gets to Michigan State, and if there is a worst quarterback depth chart in college football, I don't know where it is. It actually may be at Colorado, which could be telling, because they are uh, they are really woefully, uh, woefully bad at that position. And the fact that Tucker didn't prioritize upgrading there to me was one of the more baffling things when you when you see how many how many quarterbacks sort of are, are bandied bandied around. So I think recruiting really fell off at the end of D'Antonio's tenure, and I think we are going to learn a lot about Mel Tucker because. He inherited like a pair of jacks at Colorado, and now he's got like uh, like a, a seven of spades and a three of diamonds. <laughs> and he's a good recruiter. He's going to recruit, but boy, boy, this yeah. could go. You know, we we could this could go if this went really sideways. It would not surprise me. This totally could go. They're literally walking into the season thinking they're going to play at least three quarterbacks. That's never a good sign. No, <laughs> he has not recruited well yet. We think he probably can, but that's been the one disappointment so far. The one thing I will say about State is they probably, they should be healthier and they have a somewhat of a, a decent offensive line and they should be good again on the, on the defensive line. They lost three starters, but there is talent there. That is the one, as one of the spots Michigan State really recruited well. That's going to be probably the best part of these teams. So, can they win some games in the trenches? They better hope because they're not going to do it any other way. Purdue, plus 5,000s, the University of Rondell Moore. Yeah, the University of Rondell Moore coming back, opting back in. That was big. Uh, David Bell was one of the, maybe the best freshman receiver in the country last year. He's back. George Karloftis, rush end, was like a first-team freshman All-American. They've got some talent there. Uh, quarterback situation still has not been great. Yeah, they Brom has not been able to get the quarterback he wants and needs yet to plug in and just say you're the guy. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I, I, I this is another team that I, I look at the West and think it's very open. And I think Purdue definitely has a chance for some upward mobility there. They had horrible, horrible injuries last year. If they stay healthier. They're definitely going to be improved over last year. I think they were four and eight and uh, maybe five and seven, and they could end up with a winning record and, and beat some people in the West. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with I agree with Pat. I think uh, Lorenzo Neal, the defensive tackle, is one of the more underrated players in the uh, in the Big Ten. They have some like big name draft pick type guys. Pat mentioned Karloftis, who who obviously really uh, was a big recruit for them and popped as a freshman. They they've recruited well. I don't think they have depth, but I do think that there is some there there are some arguments to uh, to like them. Bell and Moore being prime among them. The the Brom inability to lure a quarterback has been kind of fascinating to me. Because if you, you know, how sophisticated that quarterback industry is, if you look at how productive he's been, how much he loves to throw it, and just the general nature of that offense and his NFL background, I would think that the quarterbacks would kind of be lining up to go there. Dan, you will appreciate this, uh, a player to watch in that quarterback race. Uh, They haven't announced a starter yet, but uh, Austin Burton, son of uh, legendary Boston sportscaster Steve Steve Burton. Is their backup? I think he'll actually end up starting some games this year. He came from UCLA. He he couldn't beat out Dorian Thompson Robinson, which is no crime, obviously there. And so he's locked in there for the for the next couple of years. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be pretty fascinating to see uh, how they start this season without Jeff. His grandfather played for the uh, Patriots, and his grandfather is a legend at Northwestern, like a legend. Yep. Like uh, there's a building named after him, Ron Burton. You know, again, yeah, I'm with you guys on this. This, uh, this, they start, they start, they host Iowa this weekend, and I, you know, I'm going to like Iowa in this game, but it's an opportunity. If they're going to make some noise, you might, you might know it pretty quickly on how they handle Iowa, because I think the, I think there, again, there's a couple good teams in this league, and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity. Let's go that way. All right, staying in state, uh, Indiana Hoosiers. Plus 5,000. Thoughts on them, Pete? Well, Kalen DeBoer, the offensive coordinator who kind of got them out of their like lower middle class rut and into a into a really good bowl, into a really good season last year, is gone. He's the head coach at Fresno State. Uh, Peyton Ramsey, the quarterback who really helped them get there, is, uh, is, is also gone. So we have Michael Penix who, you know, had some up and down moments. Uh, former five-star Jack Tuttle is his backup, the Utah commitment who was offered back in the day by USC. So they're, they're, it's not like they're bare at the uh, at, at the quarterback position, but they're going to go as Stevie Scott goes. I, I think he's the most underrated player in the whole Big Ten. Uh, he's a tailback uh, for for former Michigan tailback Mike Hart is actually their running back coach, Dan. You'd appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think defensively the, the, they're still going to remain salty. That's Tom Allen's kind of go-to, but – I, I saw what Pat wrote on SI.com this week about maybe maybe did Indiana jump a little too soon on Tom Allen with that big contract? We'll find out pretty quick this year. Yeah, that's the thing. They they did what schools do uh, when you have one good season. They throw a bunch of money at a guy. And, you know, Tom Allen, look, that was one of the best seasons Indiana's had in like three decades. So it was an incredible job by him. Uh, I do want to see, as Pete mentioned, what's the drop off from Kalen DeBoer to Nick Sheridan. He was a promotion from within. Theoretically, certainly learned from, from what DeBoer was doing at offensive coordinator, but he's a young guy. I mean, this is a, a definitely another jump up for, for him. Uh, and so we'll see how well he handles that. They do have Michael Penix throwing to the wonderfully named Wop Fillior, who's a hell of a player, caught 70 passes, 1,000-yard receiver last year. So they've, they've got some weapons. They've got Peyton Hendershot at tight end. Uh, but I am going to be wait and see on whether that offense still clicks without DeBoer. 
Very intriguing program. Eight and five last year, as Pat said, one of the best seasons Indiana's going to have. Do they grow on that? Here's my problem. They they lost the crossover derby on this. Yeah, and they, they get did. they get at Wisconsin as one of their crossover games. Uh, obviously, they play Purdue as well. And then they're in the East otherwise. So they're Penn State. They're Michigan. Both at home, but you're not getting a lot. They're at Ohio State and they're and they're at Wisconsin. You do better than four and four, it would be huge. I mean, you're just staring at you're staring at four and four right there. Uh, maybe they can they can beat Michigan. I don't know, but I don't like their shot there. I think the schedule is going to get the Hoosiers. Iowa plus twenty five hundred, uh, ten win coming off a ten win season. A lot of tumult in the off season. How together is this team? What, what should we expect other than typical Iowa football? And are they allowed to have anyone in the stands to do like a, they can, right? Iowa State's no, got fans. No, they, the, the Big Ten rule, I'm pretty sure, uh, is is just family of players and coaches. So it'll be so a very small, small wave. Iowa wave. The yeah. wave will be small this year. That's too bad. Pat, what do you think of the Hawkeyes? You know, it's years like this when I think, oh, they're going to take a step back that they usually take a step forward. Uh, that's kind of just been the, the nature of Kirk Ferentz's time. They're never terrible. Uh, and then when you maybe get really high on them, they they don't quite deliver. So they they are always going to be to me. They're like the eternal eight and four kind of team. Last year they were pretty good. Now almost all their games were close because they're just their talent level is is not going to be appreciably better than most people. They may be a little bit better coached in some areas than other teams within the Big Ten, and that's how they win. But you're placing uh, your your starting quarterback who had been there forever, Nate Stanley. A lot of other holes you get you need to fill. Tyler Goodson, sophomore running back. He he flashed late in the season when they started playing him more. I think he's really talented. He could have a big season. Uh, you know, I look for them to win more than they lose, as usual, but maybe not a lot more than they lose. I'll be really curious to uh, see what Spencer Petras, the new starting quarterback uh, from California, gives them. It's a little funny small world story. Zach Wilson was about to go visit Iowa. Uh, in December of 2017, he had decommitted from Boise. They were packing on Thursday night. Ken O'Keefe, the quarterback coach, calls the Wilson family and says, hey, we had offered you know three people and said whoever co- commits first, we're going to take them. And it was out on the internet that Zach Wilson was going to go from Salt Lake City and visit Iowa City that weekend. So Spencer Petras basically jumped him, committed, and... Zach Wilson obviously was frozen out and ended up going to BYU. Funny how these things change. Now, three years later, BYU has obviously gotten a pretty good deal. It's worked out well for Zach Wilson. Spencer Petras hasn't started a game yet, but I thought that was kind of a little funny little small world window into the uh, into the quarterback uh, quarterback recruiting in the Derby. My other personnel thought is that Alaric Jackson, the left tackle, will be the next first round Iowa tackle. He's uh, he, he may be one of the better ones we've seen too, and they've had obviously some very good. I feel like this season's going to shift on their game November thirteenth at Minnesota. Look, if Iowa's going to have a good season, they're three and zero going into that, and then and then we see um, they got and they're at Purdue, Northwestern, Michigan State. Those first two, really, too. I mean, what what kind of team we're going to have? I think the off season issues could be something, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. All right, Nebraska plus two thousand. They wanted to play more than anybody. Scott Frost fought for this, got his way. Here comes the season, and the Big Ten just. Just miraculously, just just coincidentally, you get to start with at Ohio State, Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Penn State. Here you go, Cornhuskers. You could start 0-4. <laughs> right. I don't know. We'll see what the Northwestern game is. 
but you could start 0-4 and then have to rebuild from that. Tough schedule, obviously. You know, has any player star fallen further from start of season to start of season than Adrian Martinez? I mean, going into last season, the Nebraska quarterback was being hailed as, you know, one of the one of the future talents of the game. The guy was going to bring Nebraska back to glory, the perfect executioner for Scott Frost's offense. And that all just, you know, dissolved into the puddle of mess that was Nebraska football last year. The way Scott Frost plays and the tempo they won at at UCF, when Scott Frost, where Scott Frost did a remarkable job, you cannot undersell. He took over a winless program and had them undefeated essentially in two years, right? So you cannot undersell the job he did there. But they obviously had superior talent there. They are never going to have superior talent in the Big Ten. And so how they navigate that, manage that, game plan around that, et cetera, is what we're going to learn a lot about this year. They should be better. But I, I don't know. It's it's hard to look at that schedule and find a lot of optimism. Nobody has noted that more than Bill Moose, who threw a temper <laughs> tantrum when the schedule came out because he knew they were going to get their face kicked in and have another lost season. <laughs> Uh, everything Pete said, I agree with, uh, you know, this, the the schedule is difficult. The talent is iffy. Their offensive line should be very good. That's, and that's not a, never a bad strength to build behind, especially if you're trying to rebuild the confidence of a quarterback. Jordan, Adrian Martinez, they've got some other playmakers. They've got Wondale Robinson, who's a real kind of multi-purpose threat who makes some big plays for them. Uh, they've got some other guys at running back at wide receiver. They, you know, I think they're going to be able to make some noise offensively. Defensively, they were not good last year. We'll see if they improve enough to to be relevant. And as Dan said, I mean, you you got to just hope that you don't get crushed to start the season uh, the way that they did. Was it last year they started on five or was it the year before? I can't remember which. So here's an interesting sort of crossroads for Nebraska. If they fall on their face, like we're all predicting and like Bill Moose is worried about, you know, Scott Frost was celebrated when he left UCF. He took all his guys with him, right? Like he took all his coaches with him. He didn't go out and hire, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he wanted to like bring that. Now there has been some attrition. I know like Javon DeWitt, the special teams coaches at Carolina. Now they've had, a, they've had an opening or two, but does Scott Frost have to go take a long look at Scott Frost? You know, like Tom Herman had to take a long look at Tom Herman last off season. Is Eric Shenander the right guy at defensive coordinator for that? Like, like the, these are questions that could come fast and furious. And if there's one thing we've learned about Scott Frost is he has an infallible belief in Scott Frost. So does Bill Moose have the power to say, hey, you need to make some changes so, don't, you know, so the same results don't keep happening? I can see one of those crossroads coming at the end of this uh, at the end of this train wreck. This is going to be a fascinating season. Scott Frost, three years in, should have a better team. He should have made progress. Again, the schedule's brutal. I'm not ready to fire the assistants yet, but you can see where this is going. But if they could spring an upset and get in one of those big three and beat Northwestern, uh, you know, maybe yeah. we get there. But this is going to be it's a grind. And there's just there's no bye weeks. There's no easy games. Their schedule is is they have nothing. They don't get Rutgers. They don't get they got Illinois on November 21st. I guess that's their easiest game. But that's after four straight. I mean, this is a this is a. I mean, they're at Ohio State, Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Penn State. They get Illinois. Then they're at Iowa, at Purdue, Minnesota to finish out. Yeah, Good. that's I mean, tough. That is tough. I mean, it's a tough schedule. Yeah, like best case, if you're going to go through this, you're looking, I don't know, you can win four. I mean, maybe you can win five. I don't know. Four, I mean, five would mean they beat a ranked team, yeah, right? Right. Yes. Ranked as so, of now. Pre- ranked as of now. 
And 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 that doesn't include an Iowa team that's had your number and Northwest. You know, that's, this is that's a go. All right, Minnesota plus 20, two, 2,500 plus 2,500 wide receiver Rashad Bateman back. Great to watch that. Uh, row the boat. Had a huge year last year. Can they keep it up? Really big game with Michigan. And I, as usual is the case with Michigan, I think if, if you took the brand names off these two teams and looked at them, you would say, oh, Minnesota should be favored by – or Team X, the home team, should be favored by 7 to 10 points because they're better. They were better last year. They bring back quite a bit, especially offensively, but they're not. Minnesota, I believe, is getting points in this game. But uh, I like Minnesota. like them a lot. Uh, you know, Tanner Morgan, underrated quarterback, uh, 10.2 yards per attempt last year. He threw the ball down the field effectively. They had Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman to throw to. You'd only have one of those guys now, but it's better than having neither of them, which they didn't have Bateman for a while till he opted back in. They're going to be able to run the ball. The whole offensive line is back. Major rebuild on defense, and you lose your offensive coordinator who was really good. I thought Kirk Shiraka, who's now at Penn State, but I am still bullish on the Gophers. Yeah, I agree. If you, I mean, this is the guts of the team, and they they did lose some key personnel, but it's the guts of the team, including the entire offensive line, that just blew through Auburn last year in a, in a bowl game. The Soraka to Stanford, you know, switch at OC is certainly going to be is certainly going to be watched. It will be the same offense, so it's not like Tanner Morgan has to learn a whole new offense. They are going to run the same stuff. It's just going to be a different guy calling the plays. I think Kirk Sorok is very underrated. He'll be very good at Penn State. Guy's been around for a while. Knows knows what he's doing. Was a great compliment to PJ, just sort of as a, a more of an introverted kind of like ball guy. You know, a good yin and yang there. The player I'm most fascinated with is Rashad Bateman, and I have a story coming out on him later this week on Yahoo. He's going to be wearing number zero this year, and, and he switched from 13, which he wore because it, it is a message to eliminate eliminate racism. So I, I, I got a, mm-hmm. I went on a call with him last week, and he has one of the most compelling personal stories of any player that I've ever been across in all my years covering college sports. And he experienced racism firsthand when he was in high school. He dated a girl whose father basically did not allow her to interracially date. So he had to he had to basically date her secretly for more than a year. Experienced some very tough things growing up, had an alcoholic stepfather who beat his mother. Uh, he was very open. He and his family are very open to talk about all this. Really impressive that he's gotten to this point where he has come back to use his platform and using part of that platform to, uh, you know, to make a statement to want to eliminate racism. And uh, I was really blown away by him as a kid. He's obviously a tremendous talent. It, it will be one of the great wide receiver drafts in terms of high, high-end guys. We had a great one last year too, but in terms of high, high end receivers, and he is right in the thicket of that Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith uh, conversation for the uh, for the best uh, for the best receivers in the country this year. Olave, obviously at Ohio State's in that too. Yeah, really looking forward to Rashad Bateman. Really, really impressive kid who I think America is going to really enjoy getting to know. If this momentum holds and they keep getting better, as PJ Fleck teams tend to do. This is a this is going to be a really interesting story. Obviously, they got to get past Michigan. Game is be played in the twenties, twenty degrees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about that? The Hello, season Big opener Ten. in the Big Ten is already Big Ten weather. Yep, huge game. But then they got Maryland, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue. I mean, they could not hard to see them five and zero at Wisconsin, and then they follow with Northwestern and Nebraska. So the schedule works a little better for them. But they got to be Michigan to uh, to make it work. That's the crossover. Fascinating game Saturday night, and this program is is really really interesting for college football fans because PJ is uh, 
Certainly more than just a bunch of slogans. All right, next up, Wisconsin. Dan, can I just plant a seed real quick? Yeah. Just let's take this in the back of your mind. If Minnesota does beat Michigan, and if Harbaugh continues to kind of stay in this sort of upper middle class netherworld, could PJ replace Jim in Ann Arbor? Right. It'd be interesting to see whether that that with Minnesota would allow that to happen. But yeah. yes. Boy, or Michigan uh, is Michigan too full of itself to allow yeah. like this breath of new oxygen? Would they just rather sort of keep their recycled air with Harbaugh? I mean, that's it's there's, uh, a, there's we could do a whole podcast on this, but it's a fascinating. Well, uh, well we probably will. I mean, look, yeah, the guy was true. a huge. He was a he, he won at Western Michigan and yeah. is well known in the state of Michigan. Yes. And yes. as much as you can call Michigan that they did go out and hire Rich Rod once. You know, yeah, they brought yeah. in. It didn't work. That new new air did not look so good. But yeah. check back for the overreaction, overreaction ahead podcast. of time. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> previewing the game. Right. I already have my ten takeaways written for this weekend. There you so. go. Yeah, <laughs> we don't even wait for the Our games to happen not, to overreact I mean, to. No, yeah. hell no. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Don't let those facts <laughs> intercede. All right, Wisconsin's plus nine hundred seems like a value pick here. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, Clearly the class of of the West, their crossover games at Michigan, everything else, uh, and, they, and they get uh, Indiana. That's their other crossover. So it's it's wide open for Wisconsin. Program's done great with the sweatshirt. Coach Chris and his sweatshirt. COVID didn't take that thing out. I'd be disappointed if he's not wearing that sweatshirt on Friday night. Uh, Pete, we'll start with you. So... Wisconsin has cloned essentially the same pedestrian game managing quarterback for like the last two decades, other than Russell Wilson when they swept in and took him from NC State late because Tom O'Brien really screwed up. Graham Mertz, the redshirt freshman, was a ballyhooed recruit, could have gone anywhere. I believe he's out of Wichita. He is that potential difference maker at that position for Wisconsin, which has just not had any kind of diamondism there. And now they have not had great receivers over the years either. But that quarterback position has been one that when everything was right at Wisconsin, other than Russell Wilson, it was neutral. So Graham Mertz now has a big runway in front of him. Can this be a big run of plus and allow like what we've learned in college football? And we talked about this in the last pod a little bit is if you are going to win at the highest level, you have to have some ability to push the ball down the field. You have to be able to break plays vertically. Wisconsin Hasn't necessarily done that. Now, I don't blame them, right? You don't have you don't have burners coming from Eau Claire or Oshkosh, right? So you build around <laughs> your you build around your big tackles. You you know, you you use your natural resources, and their natural resources are linemen. They build a great brand. Can Graham Mertz represent Wisconsin taking that next step? I think is a fascinating thing to look at for this season. How about Cedarburg? You might find a burger there. You never know. Come on. Check around. Look, keep, keep <laughs> your eyes two, open. Running four twos in Cedarburg. That's yeah. That's Platteville. Right. All the burners in Platteville. <laughs> I see. I'm I, you may be right. I like Graham Mertz may be the guy that changes that offense. But and this is why at least the first game against Illinois, I'm going to say wait and see for that one. We'll uh, we'll see how it develops. But. You are turning over quarterback, and you weren't expecting that because Jack Cohn was going to be the guy till he injured his foot and had surgery earlier this month. Jonathan Taylor, 2,000-yard rusher, is gone. We know they have running backs, but this is kind of going to be running back by committee this year, maybe a little bit more. We know they have offensive linemen. 
uh, but they're filling a couple spots there. Defensively, they got nine starters back, but they're losing their two big playmakers, the guy that that, that made the sacks, that forced the turnovers, that uh, that disrupted other teams. So I, I think that there is a chance Wisconsin is a bit vulnerable this year compared to years past. Pat likes Illinois so much he's actually growing Lovey Smith's beard. He's kind of got that going. All right, let's get to the Wolverines. Michigan plus 550. Big question is what kind of quarterback play we're going to get. Nico Collins opted out and signed with an agent. Uh, That doesn't help. They do not. The one thing Michigan does not have is great wide receivers or quarterback play. They got a lot of other things. They got some uh, Hutchinson on the defensive line, pay on the, uh, should be good defensively. Obviously, they got at Minnesota, they get Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. So a little bit of a gauntlet for the Wolverines. Pat, what do you think about that? Um, so much depends on Joe Milton at quarterback and whether Jim Harbaugh can coach him up. Um, I had a stat in the 40-yard dash this week, and I think we might have even discussed it at some point here recently, where Harbaugh's quarterbacks in his five years have been less efficient than Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez's quarterbacks. And Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez were run out of town, considered to be complete boobs. But their pass efficiency in those five years, the last year under Rich Rod and all four under Hoke was 133. Under Harbaugh in his five years, 128. And that's at a time that everybody's efficiency is going forward. They haven't been able to get a quarterback. They haven't been able to put him in a right scheme. So I think Joe Milton, everybody's high on him, a lot of hype. But we've heard that before about Michigan quarterbacks. Uh, We'll see what happens uh, when they actually take the field. I agree that once again, as has often been the case here under Harbaugh, that this is probably going to be a team led by its defense. And we'll see if the offense is good enough to beat teams that are better than them, or at least on paper, better than them. So the, Michigan's fascinating in so many ways. I feel like we've we've discussed them a bunch on here, and we 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 will be discussing them a bunch more. I, I'd imagine on Monday too, no matter no matter what happens. So Michigan's defense has been elite statistically. There's no question. But the fascinating part about Michigan's defense is the precipitous drop off when they play elite competition. I mean, it's yeah. insane for all the number one rankings and all the stats that Don Brown has accumulated when it matters against Ohio State, when it matters in bowl games, they have been putrid. And here's essentially the key to unlocking Don Brown's defense. He wants to leave corners on an island and press and and beat you up out there. And if you have better talent than them, and Michigan is recruited good but not great, if you have better talent than them, you can just blow them out and Don Brown doesn't have any answers. And we saw that. Remember all those crossing routes, Pat, in that Ohio State-Michigan game a couple of years ago? The poor, Uh is it Brandon Watson, the poor kid, uh, 50-year senior, (laughs) just like laying on the turf at Ohio Stadium, just abused (laughs) Um, over and over. I think Day was the the, the coordinator then. So w- when you uh, when you dive in on the uh, on, on the Michigan roster this year, I think Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson are, are two of the best defensive line. They're certainly two of the, the best defensive end pairing in the Big Ten, probably in all of college football. They are elite and excellent, and you know they've Michigan's really done a good job, especially on the on the defensive line. You look at what Chase Winovich has become in the NFL. Rashawn Gary was obviously a big recruit there. Where I'd be really worried if I were a Michigan fan right now is corner. Now Dax Hill, their safety, is the rare elite recruit. They flipped him from Alabama late. He's a safety. He's going to play some nickel. He is like your five-star guy. The rest of that secondary is just okay. Ambry Thomas leaving is a huge blow to them. And, you know, losing Nico Collins, which was kind of done for a while, but sort of resurfaced this last week, is is a, is a really another piece of bad news. And 
four new starters now on the offensive line. Jalen Mayfield, the tackle, you know, fringe first round pick, really good player. That was huge for Michigan that that he decided to return. But there, if you really drill into the roster of Michigan, there's a lot more arguments for why the season could go sideways than for why it could go right. You have one upper middle class Big Ten receiver in Ronnie Bell, and then you have a pretty good tailback in Zach Charbonneau. He's like a good a good Big Ten back. Joe Milton's had accuracy issues, had him in high school. He's had him when he's played at Michigan. That's going to be concern on a 20-degree night, game day game, the whole thing, you know, his uh, his his starting debut. So, and then you got four new, four new offensive linemen. So, yeah, Michigan remains relentlessly fascinating. And my favorite Michigan stat is that they haven't had a tailback drafted since Mike Hart in 08, and that's obviously not all Harbaugh's Ooh. fault. But if you can't find a tailback, at Michigan. Eastern Michigan's had one drafted since then. Michigan State's had four. Plenty of them around. Their recruiting is is weird. They they don't recruit in-state or Ohio as much as you would think. It's, the whole thing's odd, but I they're going to win four games. They do not blow, they do not lose to bad teams. Uh, the problem, 10 and 14 against ranked opponents for Michigan since Harbaugh got there, first five years. Minnesota's a ranked opponent. This is going to be why this game Saturday night, I think, has every kind of hardcore Big Ten fan just like, this is going to be good. I want to see what this is all about yeah. because it, it's it's just such a huge game if you're really into the into this. It's not maybe not the name brand game that pops off the schedule in the rest of the country, but if you're, if you're not obsessed with the Big Ten and you're listening to this, uh, that's why Minnesota, Michigan has got a lot. One program ascending, one program that's always been there but doesn't seem to move. So, all right, two more. Man, this league is big. Um, <laughs> we had a lot. This is what happens to us when we talk to Big Ten. We were we had a whole bunch of other stuff. We're just not gonna. We'll get to race for the case quickly after this. Penn State. Uh, look, country needs another good team. I, I'm. A, I'll give Wisconsin a chance here. To me, it's Penn State and Ohio State are the two teams with the most likely chance of being a playoff team, obviously. I mean, that goes without saying for Ohio State. But right now, as we talked last last podcast, there's Clemson, there's Alabama, and there's what? Notre Dame is currently number three. I don't think even Notre Dame fans are like, oh, here we go. We got a juggernaut. Ohio State or Penn State could do it. It's why next week's game, Halloween night, unfortunately, it's going to be empty in the stadium because that would have been one of the all-time great whiteouts. Uh Halloween night Uh at State College, full moon, would have been absolutely epic. (laughs) Absolutely epic. Won't happen. But that is the game. They had some opt-outs. Journey Brown has a medical condition. Micah Parsons opted out. Penn State have enough at this point to beat Ohio State because I just feel like that's – they can have a great season. I expect them to have a really strong season, but can they beat Ohio State? That's where this is this this is that's the barometer at this point. Pete, we'll start with you. I mean, you know, two of the five best players on their roster aren't here. I, I if they have Micah Parsons and if they have Journey Brown, I feel like I feel a lot better about saying they can beat Ohio State. And can they? Sure. In state college, week two, you know, preparations, it, things are gonna be things are gonna be goofy. Um, you know, Ohio State still is thin at quarterback after obviously Justin Fields. So Yes, uh, I think Pat Fryermuth is the second best tight end in the country. I think he's going to be an elite weapon for Sean Clifford, who's proven a very good quarterback. I think defensively, this is going to be another stout Penn State unit. 
you just when you look at all of the talent and all of the talent that came back, and I think that might be the highest compliment to Ohio State is all those dudes, even the ones who opted out, they all came back. They knew they know what they have. In Penn State, like obviously Journey Brown, medical condition, wish him obviously all the best. Uh, it, it, Penn State sort of was a little vague with the wording, but they said he, you know he may be out for, for the uh, for the year. I, I really do think that that it's hard to make it's a lot harder to make the case for Penn State now than it was six months ago. No, I totally agree because that's like in the summer when you were thinking that they were going to have all their players and you were thinking there were going to be fans in the stands. I'm looking at that Ohio State game saying, and that's when they get over on the Buckeyes. That's when they do it. And now mm, it's tough to talk myself into it. Micah Parsons is probably a top 10 pick. I mean, Whew. that guy is a beast. He's a difference-making player. He is their leading tackler. He'll block kicks. He runs. He hits. Uh, so you lose him. That's a big, big loss. And especially when you're trying, when you look at talent level with Ohio state, that's a guy that's on par with all of Ohio state's best players. They don't have many others that are on par with Ohio state's best players. So, uh, you take that out, take out journey Brown. I like Sean Clifford, the quarterback. He's good thing. He's going to get better. Love Pat Fryermuth. I think the addition of Soraka as offensive coordinator helps them. Uh, so I think they're going to be good. I just don't think they're good enough to win the league. All right, let's get to the Buckeyes. Minus 250, yeah. They're 26-point favorites over Nebraska this weekend. Fields, Wade, Sermon, Olave, Davis. I mean, they're loaded. I think we've kind of – I don't think we need to discuss whether they can do well in the Big Ten. Can they beat Clemson and Alabama? Let's go to that because that's their standard. Uh, obviously, it would be an upset for them not to not to come out of this. Their schedule is very favorable. Regular season, they – they skip a Wisconsin and Minnesota, so they, they basically have two games. Uh, and if they avoid that classic Buckeye, just, I don't know, whatever, fumbled away seasons and some terrible losses. Uh, but on that, Pat, let's start with you. Can Ohio State win the national championship? I think they can. Um, I'm not saying they will, but I think they have the talent to, and they certainly have the offensive firepower. I mean, goodness gracious, Fields is back, uh, Alave. They've got other young receivers uh, that are coming on. They're they're gonna they're gonna throw it and catch it. Uh, they're running backs. They lost J.K. Dobbins, but they bring in Trey Sermon, transfer from Oklahoma. They bring back Master Teague, although he's coming over off an Achilles. Their offensive line is good. They're gonna score defensively. They've got some holes to fill, uh, and I know for years. They basically have grown rush ends on trees. When you go from the Bosas to Chase Young, I'm not sure they have that guy this year. Uh, Zach Harrison, a really good freshman. We'll see if he's ready to take the next step there. But I think defensively they're a bit susceptible. Like if uh, you try to figure out, other than Sean Wade, the the guy that uh, opted out and came back, cornerback, I, do they cut? Can they cover? Alabama's guys, if you're trying to look at that sort of matchup. I don't know. So I would say they can they can win a national championship. They certainly could be a playoff caliber team. And then you see what happens when you get there. So I'm going to focus on the weaknesses because we've spent plenty of time on the, on the strengths. I think if there's two position groups that I'm most curious about uh, at Ohio State, I'm going to start at the safety position. You're going to have Marcus Hooker, Malik's little brother, and you're going to have Josh Proctor. There's a lot of unknown there, and I really feel like, obviously, in modern football, safety play and the ability to cover and just you know make up you know with spread offenses and in so many vertical routes. I, I really feel like 
those two players are going to sort of make the difference whether Ohio State is excellent or in that like elite playoff winning caliber. I do agree. Pat made a great point about the defensive ends. They do not have that like pass rush menace that they've had in the past. They have a workmanlike defensive line and and Zach Harrison has the potential to be that guy. He was that kind of recruit. We have not seen that kind of production from him yet. But when I go up and down this Ohio State defense right now and and look at that, I do not see a, oh my God, he's a first round pick guy other than Sean Wade. Sean Wade is clearly that guy. Uh, After that, I don't think anyone quite pops in that same category. On offense, it's tailback. Look, Trey Sermon left Oklahoma because he wasn't getting enough touches, wasn't getting enough carries. So they they like how he's adopted. They 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 think a lot of him, but is he a bell cow? Can he can he carry them behind with a very good offensive line? I don't think it's uh I don't think it's like an elite offensive line, but I think it's I think it's excellent. And the the real, you know, other than Justin Fields, who we all think is gonna be a top ten pick, he's right behind Trevor Lawrence, although probably not right behind, probably a pretty good distance behind, but can 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 make up some of that ground with with a, with a high end season. I really feel like this collection of receivers at Ohio State is one of the best that they've had. Certainly the the best collection of receivers in this Meyer today era. The the name that I was told who's been buzzing during camp is Jackson Smith, and I think it's you say it in a jigba, but I don't honestly know. He's he's one of their freshmen. Julian Fleming is obviously another excellent freshman. They are they are very deep there, and they feel very good. Chris Olave, first-round pick. Garrett Wilson was the best receiver in the country two years ago incoming. That is a that is a, a wow. Uh, that is a wow group. I'll be brief. I Like, uh, to Pete's point about the defensive line, if that develops into a typical Ohio State defensive line and some of these guys that are great players, great high school players, turn into that next – uh, Bosa brother, Chase Young, the kind of guy. Yeah, they can beat. They can beat Alabama and Clemson. If you do not get a pass rush on Trevor Lawrence, you're not going to beat Clemson. So, I hate to put it down to one thing: yes and no. Can they get pressure on him? You got no chance if if Trevor Lawrence is going to have time. He's playing way too well. So, great season though. Obviously, we expect Buckeyes to win all the games of the Big Ten. If they don't, uh, it'll be interesting. But very excited to have the Big Ten back. Their lengthy preview uh, took up our whole show. But let's get to the race for the case. Started up North Carolina State at North Carolina. Tar Heels minus 16 and a half. Game is at noon on ESPN. UNC has given up a lot of points in the last two games, 76 of them. NC State is four and one against the over. Pat 40, who you got? Intriguing game. NC State's playing better. That's a tough one. Rivalry game. I, I expect. I mean, I expect North Carolina to to bounce back, though. I, you know, I don't. I just don't see them t- turning in another dud like they did. Fifteen and a half is a lot. I'm going to take NC State to cover the number. Interesting, uh, interesting matchup here. NC State and UNC both come in a little bit reeling. NC State because Devin Leary is out four to eight weeks. He got injured. In their last game, North Carolina just coming off that uh, horrific, horrific epic flop at, uh, at at Florida State. I'm going to go against Pat because it's just usually a good thing to do in uh, philosophically in life. I think that uh, <laughs> as NC State tr- sort of tries to find itself a little bit, I, gi- I do give Tim Beck, the new OC there, a lot of credit. He was obviously maligned at points during his time at Ohio State and a little bit at Texas. Got run out of there. He has really got that 
NC State offense functional. That's and they they have great tailbacks. But that said, without Leary, I feel like UNC uh, will kind of come together a little bit, find its identity a little bit more on offense, and should be able to run the pack. I'm with Pat. Uh, uh, NC State's had a few number big numbers thrown against them from Vegas, and they keep on covering. So I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Wolf Pack here with the big number. All right, I'm gonna take the pack and make Pete the lone wolf. Wolfpack, lone wolf. Bailey Hawkman is taking over at quarterback. Played a lot last year. Uh, I think they can. I, I, that's too many points. Uh, I'll take the. Uh, I'll take state on that one. All right. Battle of the Big Twelve. Would not have expected preseason that number seventeen Iowa State and number six Oklahoma State could decide the league. But here we are. Cowboys given three and a half, three thirty on Fox. Great item from uh, Oklahoma State. Cowboys had consecutive open weeks during the regular season for the first time since the 1918 influenza pandemic. (laughs) And they missed three straight weekends. Uh, The old Oklahoma A&M. So there we go. Dating back. What did they cover? That's what I want to know, Sully. In 1918, after the long break, did they come? I can't believe <laughs> they come. A, a good producer has that number for us. Come on, sorry. Did they cover? You know the Cowboys can't cover after a pandemic layoff. <laughs> that, Phil Steele probably has that in that Phil unreadable chart. <laughs> you can always tell on TV the 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 producers that know nothing about gambling. The difference between like a gambling show and just the where they come up with stuff like. So and so is eleven and one on Tuesdays. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, what is this team doing? It doesn't right. matter where they want a Tuesday night game in nineteen fifty six, right? Has no bearing. But anyway, no. Pete, we'll start with you. Who you got? So Oklahoma State just sort of remains this this befuddling mystery. I mean, they are second in the country in scoring defense. Now they obviously just haven't played that much, but they're they're only giving up nine points a game. They did return a ton of players on defense, and the, like the general thought was this was going to be one of their better defensive units over the year. The only thing more surprising than Oklahoma State being number two in the country in scoring defense is that West Virginia is number one in total defense. Like <laughs> up is down, everything's crazy. I think Iowa State uh, can come in there and can cover. I, I think if it turns into a slog, it's going to favor Iowa State. And I just think there, Iowa State's a little bit more game ready. Brock Purdy certainly brings with him uh, a, a lot of experience. But I'll be honest, like I just, it's hard to have a feel at this point in October for who Oklahoma State really is. Uh, no, you're you're right because they've only played three games and we haven't seen them for a couple of weeks. And uh, I, I I do think though that's probably the best team in the league. I'm gonna and I am again defaulting back to what I thought going into the year when I thought it was going to be Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma now is out of the picture, so I'm looking at Oklahoma State defensively. Yes, very good. And I think the difference in this game could be that. The Cowboys have playmakers. They've got Chuba Hubbard. They have got Tylen Wallace. They've got some other guys, Dylan Stoner. They they can make some plays. Uh, so I think that might be just enough to get over an Iowa State team that's very solid, very well coached, but I'm not sure they have special players other than maybe a tight end. So I'm going to take the Cowboys to win and cover. I'm right there with you. Give me the pokes to prove that they're the best team in the conference. Yeah, same. I think Iowa State uh... – is good. I don't know if they got enough for this. I'll, I'll take the talent uh, that's laying out there. All right, number 25, Coastal Carolina. Leave ranked first time in school history, at least in the uh, top level. 
Of course, they only joined FBS in 2017. So not exactly going back to the 1918 influenza pandemic. (laughs) Uh, Coastal Carolina at Georgia Southern coming off that rough and tumble game with UMass. Uh, UCC is uh, giving six and a half noon on ESPNU. All five Coastal Carolina games have been nationally televised. How about that? That is crazy. That That's a 2020 stat, if we've ever heard one. Okay. Uh, boy, uh, first of all, Pete is now lone wolf on both picks so far, so it's, it's going to be a boomer bust week for young family, it looks like. Uh, this one, I'm going to keep riding with the Shants, the Chanticleers, man. Um, quarterback, uh, redshirt freshman, whose name now completely escapes me, but he's played really well. Grayson McCall. Uh, Grayson McCall, thank you. Jamie Chadwell, coach, has done a really good job there. He was very good at lower levels. This is one of those Sunbelt games, though, that is probably going to be like 41 to 40 or something. But I'm taking Coastal Carolina to win and cover the six and a half. I want to give a shout out to Coastal to start because they have eight or nine players who have mullets, many of which (laughs) are dyed blonde. All right. Like, if that's not, like, enough reason to get behind a team, I don't know what it is. That said, I'm going to take Georgia Southern with the six and a half. They they run a very tricky style of offense. The number is low for a reason, right? Like, they're, they're trying to seduce you. I really think Georgia Southern can go up there and, and, and win this weekend. They've been they've been very solid all season. So I'm going to stay lone wolf in it this week. And Pat said I'm out on the ledge. I kind of think you all are out on the ledge. No, I'm with you. I think uh, I think the pressure is going to get to the chance. Give me give me uh, Georgia Southern. And, a, and you're right. A tricky offense to, that they, you don't see often. I don't like picking against mullets. I just don't. So <laughs> took Oklahoma State. Yeah, right. I don't know. See, stay yeah. on the mullet side. Go with Coastal. I, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to. I'm going coastal. I'll stick with Pat on this, although I like that that Georgia Southern style. Uh, I don't think that they have they have lost their eye. They're, they still got the fire. They need to just go play a bunch of golf in Myrtle Beach to celebrate. <laughs> I'm sticking. I'm sticking with coastal. All right. Number nine, Cincinnati at number 16, SMU. Huge game in the American. Uh, SMU's giving two and a half. It is a 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Love the time. Yeah. Should be great game. And uh, we don't have Pac-12 after dark, but we'll take this. Pete, let's start with you. Are they going to let the SMU students back after their like rampant COVID violations? That's a, a subplot to uh, a subplot to be watched. Um, what was the line again, Dan? Sorry. Two and a half. SMU giving two and a half. SMU's giving two and a half. All right. Interesting game to pick anyone unfortunate enough to be gambling, which you should not be doing in 2020 on football because it's too unpredictable, should really wait and see to the last minute uh, how many players Cincinnati has available because they're obviously their game last week against Tulsa was canceled and uh, they, they would have been missing some key players in that game. So that said, uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati. I really think that Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman's defense has shown they know how to slow down some of these more dynamic AAC offenses. We saw it against uh, UCF last year in a similar kind of showdown. And I think that, I, especially with Reggie Robeson, the really good receiver out for, for SMU, I really think that Cincinnati defensively, game plan-wise, can, can find a way to, to temper Shane Buchel and uh, keep rolling. Well, I hate to do it, Pete, but you cannot get away from me on this one because I agree with you. Uh, Obviously, yes, the X factor is what if Cincinnati's down 11 starters or something in this game. We'll see. But 
if they, you know, if they've got most of their guys out there, I think they're the better team. SMU has done really well, but they've lost their best receiver and one of their top two running backs. They've kind of just been holding it together the last couple of weeks, uh, winning on on game winning field goals at the end of the game. It's time for Cincinnati's offense to put it together a little better, and I, I think SMU's defense will provide some opportunities to do that. So I think, and, and also the second, I really like Cincinnati's secondary against uh, uh, SMU's skill people. So go with the Bearcats to cover. Sauce Gardner, their corner, uh, Ahmad Gardner. Sauce. Sauce. I mean, if you I if know. you can't get right. behind Sauce, <laughs> a little swagger from Detroit. I don't know who who you can get behind. I'm with you. I'm uh, I'm picking the Bearcats and bringing the Sauce. You can't win on fumes against Cincinnati. Bearcats. I'm sticking with that. So it's a it's a chalk one for us or whatever. Uh, Michigan number eighteen at Minnesota number twenty one. Michigan given three and a half. Game is a seven thirty on ABC. We've discussed it. I will bring up this one thing, why I love this game so much. The Little Brown Jug is what it uh, is handed out to. And the origins of the Little Brown Jug in 1903, fielding Yost, the Michigan coach, defending national champions, 29 straight victories. They went up to Minnesota to play. You want to talk about how you think college football is crazy now? Fielding Yost thought that Minnesota would poison the sideline water for Michigan. He thought they would poison it. They would put poison in the water so the Michigan players couldn't play. So he ordered a manager to buy a little brown jug of water. The jug of water, 30 cents. He bought it. They left it behind after winning or losing. They lose? I can't remember. Anyway, we left it behind. Now whoever gets the wins it gets the jug. I think they, they lost. Doesn't matter. He thought they were going to get poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I mean, people think college football is crazy now. Come on. It's always been crazy. We literally celebrate a, a, a potential, a, 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 at least a believed to be an alleged possible poisoning. <laughs> Can you imagine the scandal now if like somebody poisoned the other team? <laughs> I love this sport. That just sounds like something that happened in an election in 2020, not a college football game. All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, you know, there's a pretty good chance they might try to poison us. So let's buy or bring our own water. I, I mean, mean, if you're if you're playing a team from so, from Russia with Putin, you know, you would be worried about poisoning. That's for sure. Oh, I don't know. About anyway, little brown jug. Great trophy. Great, great. history. I'm glad the game's competitive. Long time. Michigan just wins it. But anyway, Pat, who's going to win this time? Minnesota. Minnesota, love them in this spot for all the reasons I said before. Row the boat. Michigan is giving three and a half. So obviously you think they're going to win, they're going to cover. All right, Pete? Minnesota started this game favored by a point and a half, and the line swung. So always interesting to note those things. I'm uh, I'm on the gopher train as well. Rashad Bateman is the Don Brown buster. Sully? I'm with you. Go row the boats. I got to take Minnesota, too. I, I I like how they match up in this. And without knowing how Joe Milton will play, it's really hard for me to take Michigan in this game. He could be great. He could be he could be who knows. But this is their quarterback. And Harbaugh is uh, this is Harbaugh's first quarterback. He's going to start that he that he recruited and developed totally. So there it is. All right. Lock of the week time. 
let's start with Sully. You're already kind of in on this. What do you, what do you, who are you taking, Sully? Oh, yeah. Give me Bama minus 21 and a half. That is a slam dunk. Have no idea what Vegas is seeing in the volunteers from Tennessee. Uh, Butch Jones. <laughs> oh, wow. Butch Jones will once again be uh, smoking cigars, and it's a pretty terrible sight to see, but it'll happen. Give me, give me the tide minus 21 and a half. Sully's a broken man now. He's, he's betting against the balls. Wow. He is he has turned. Yeah. They've beaten well, him down. Uh, who who who's gonna score without that Alabama offense? They just put up 41 points on Georgia. Yeah, right. I hear you, brother. I hear you. All right, you want my lock? I said it before. I'm saying it again earlier in the pod. Give me Illinois getting 19 and a half is what I've got at Wisconsin Friday night. Illini more experienced in some key positions than Wisconsin. Lovey will have some D ready for Graham Mertz in his first start and first serious college action. Illini cover. I'm going to go back to the well that uh, that that did us all well last week. Your Liberty Fra- Flames, America's <laughs> team, really the team America wants to hate. Uh, they are they are giving ten points to Southern Miss, which is a COVID-addled mess. Uh, they will not have their interim coach for the game. <laughs> Third head coach of the year. Yes, they're on head coach number three. And look, yeah. I uh, I had I had I watched a bunch of Liberty this week. They're they're pretty good looking team, you know. Yeah. Uh, Malik Wills, their uh, quarterbacks transfer from Auburn. Hugh Freeze, not afraid to r- ratchet up the tempo. I don't think Southern Miss just has the personnel athletes to stay with them. So uh, if you're going to – I don't see why Liberty's not going to beat Southern Miss by 10 when they just beat Syracuse by – it felt like a half hundred. I don't really remember what it was, but it was like three touchdowns. Excellent pick. Excellent pick right there. I was looking at that one too. Yeah, when you're on your third coach and it's only <laughs> October 20th or whatever <laughs> – Things are not going You're smoothly. having quite a season. You're I think they're on their third game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, fifth game. Sorry. Fifth, fifth game. They're one and three. Fifth game. Yeah. New coach. They got, yeah, they they got one in early. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Kansas State. They are giving 20 against Kansas. They host Kansas this weekend. I don't know why this line is so low. Kansas State, obviously not. It's not Clemson when it comes to offense, but I think they're going to pummel the Jayhawks betting against the Jayhawks usually does well. So I will take uh, every man a wild cat in that one. All right. If you made it all the way through, thank you for lasting this long. Big 10 is, is interesting. We are so glad it's back. Also like just looking at this schedule where we weren't all picking off of 20 games. Like there's an actual season yeah, here, right? Uh, yeah. We will get to everything, including the mountain West, which we didn't get too much uh, or at all on the Monday overreaction podcast. going to be a great weekend of college football really excited so subscribe so you don't miss one share us tell your friends gotta do the season right gotta listen to us talk to you later one two three four those are numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car use kelly blue book my wallet on auto trader they're really good at numbers auto trader